and welcome to the final edition in 2020. We're, we're hopefully coming back for 2021. But welcome to the final edition of 2020 of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I am your host, Goshen News Sports Editor, Austin Huff. Just me in here today. Uh, we are doing a very special kind of end-of-year recap, uh, looking at some of our favorite moments on the sports podcast. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of great guests in this year, uh, numerous guests. I actually want to kind of give a shout-out to all of them. I actually have a note somewhere on here uh, on my phone. Just one one second. I should have had this pulled up before I, I started talking. That's my fault. Sorry, Sheila. You can keep that audio in. We're, we're doing it live. Um, wanted to give a shout-out here. Steve Craw, two times, February 19th, September 29th. Jim Hahn, March 3rd, one, probably my favorite episode of the year. Ben Wingard, two times, two, the two two-time guests, Steve and Ben, June 17th, December 15th. Nathan Dean, Jimtown Athletic Director, July 14th. Aaron Wolf, Northwood Boys Basketball Coach, July 28th. Chuck Freebie, WHME Hall of Famer legend who I read off his entire resume and he wasn't a fan of that. Uh, October 6th. Tony Miller, Goshen College SID on October 13th. Ben Wagner, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. October 27th. That was a fantastic interview. I loved talking to him. Stephanie Miller, Goshen College women's basketball coach, November 10th. John Trope, Goshen College men's basketball coach, uh, November 17th. Jim Bowler, retired Bethany Christian boys coach, uh, December 1st. And then this last week's episode, we had Gary Chupp and Larry Kissinger, the Bethany Christian and Goshen athletic directors, respectively. That was December 22nd. So that was a lot of guests we had on this first year of the new Goshen News Sports Podcast, and I appreciate all of them for taking time out of their days to join us for the podcast, whether it be an in-depth interview or to be a guest host. Um, You know, they made the podcast entertaining for us and uh, very enjoyable, uh, you know, overall experience. I've had a blast hosting this so far. Uh, this has been a fun year. I'm really looking forward to keeping it going in 2021, and uh, we'll have some, uh, you know, hopefully some more, per- a more permanent uh, co-host, hopefully, uh, to start the new year. That's a little tease uh, for everyone at home. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Um, but I wanted to run back some of my favorite moments of the podcast uh, from this first calendar year we've had. Uh, obviously, they're all going to be from some some people who I just read off. And uh, the first moment I wanted to get to was with Jim Hahn, uh, the legendary Concord boys basketball coach. Uh, he coached two teams to the state championship games, uh, one in 1980 and one in 1990. Uh, you might have noticed I wrote a big profile about the 1990 team back in late March on the 30th anniversary of them playing in the Hoosier Dome against Damon Bailey, uh, for the state championship, 41,000 people there. It was the biggest high school basketball game of all time. Um, and uh, I talked to Jim about, uh, you know, one of my last questions to him was just kind of about the legacy of that 1990 team uh, playing in the shadow of the 88 team that had Sean Kemp on it. Uh, the 90 team didn't have a player like Sean, but it was a really well-rounded team and and I kind of asked him, you know, what is the legacy of this team? Uh, and, and this was his answer. I, I really thought he had, gave a very good answer in that sense. That was the best team that's ever played at Concord. I, I truly believe that was the best team that I coached when I was there my 11 years. And we talked about it earlier, you know, between the 88-90 team. I just think that, uh, yeah, they just 
they, it was a special group and it was you know they did it without Sean and I really think that you know after Sean left a lot of people kind of probably were going to write Concord off and you know they they came back and had a, a very special special season and uh, one one that uh, I'm sure they'll all remember and I'll definitely will always remember and uh, so Jim you know was a fan of the 1990 team over the 1988 team, which I thought was kind of interesting because a lot of people will say the 88 team uh, was the better team. It's probably the more memorable of the two just because of who played on that team. Uh, And that actually segues into our next clip uh, from Chuck Freebie when I asked him what was the best team he saw. Uh, He has obviously covered this area for a long time. He's at Elkhart High School, Elkhart Central, excuse me, sorry, Chuck, Elkhart Central graduate. And uh, I asked him, you know, what was his favorite team or the best team that he got to cover and and see in person? And, well, spoiler alert, 1988 Concord was high on the list. Best high school team I've seen in any sport. Wow. Wow. I'm obviously going to offend a lot of people with whatever answer I put out here. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) We'll make sure to clip just this part and tweet it so that Uh, everyone hears it. Because that's what everybody wants is is something to offend themselves with. I I hate to sound like the old man that says it was better back in the day. Uh, Of the teams that I have covered, I would have to say that 1988 Concord boys basketball team with Kemp and Much and a young Jamar Johnson and a young Jeff Massey. That's about as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was just what a wild ride that was. And coming on the heels, the 80s producing such high-level talent in this area. Guys like Dave Schnell and Ernie Jones over in Elkhart and then you've got Kemp and Johnson and that whole crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Scott Skiles at Plymouth, correct? Scott Skiles at Plymouth in, in the early part of the 80s. Mm-hmm. That's the best team that I covered. The best high school basketball team that I ever saw was the 1971 East Chicago-Washington team that beat Elkhart in the state finals mm-hmm. in 71 at Hinkle Fieldhouse because all five of those players went on to play professional sports. So I, I loved putting Chuck on the spot there. I still haven't put that clip on Twitter yet. I, I need to tweet that clip out. Maybe I'll tweet this clip out of me talking about putting that clip on Twitter uh, to get Chuck really riled up and have everyone in his mentions uh, complaining about why he didn't pick their team to be uh, their, his favorite team of all time. But, man, that 1971 East Chicago-Washington team, five future pro athletes, whew, that's incredible. Um, wanted to segue to another clip. Uh, from my interview with Ben Wagner uh, talking about his career. Ben, uh, a 1999 Fairfield High School graduate. He is currently the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he's, had a, he's been the main Blue Jays radio guy now for a few years. He had worked his way up in the minor league system, was the minor league play-by-play guy for uh, nearly a decade uh, with, with the Blue Jays in, in Buffalo. And in his first year... As a play-by-play guy, in like within the first six weeks, actually, he had a chance to call a no-hitter. It was uh, unfortunately it was against the Toronto Blue Jays. It was done by the Seattle Mariners. James Paxton was the pitcher. 
The, the, the caveat, though, is Paxton is a native of Canada. He's from Vancouver, and the Blue Jays' n- games are broadcast nationally on the radio in Canada. So people know who Paxton is, and there are you know uh, Toronto Blue Jays fans in Vancouver, uh, Canada. So it was kind of a cool moment in the sense where this is the first time you know Paxton hadn't pitched on Canadian soil in a long time, and now he's in Toronto, and now he's throwing a no-hitter, uh, which is crazy. So I kind of asked Ben what that experience like what was calling your, fir- his, uh, your first professional baseball no-hitter, and this was kind of his response from what that day was like. Yeah, so um, it, a lot of hype going into that start. And, and as you were teeing that up, I was thinking not only James Paxton of Seattle at, at the time, but Ladner BC's own James Paxton. Yeah. Who, um, you know, when you're in the Pacific Northwest um, – where you get over the Canadian slash Colorado Rockies, you, you know, it's, there are a couple of guys that the baseball fans out West always track and um, our network is countrywide. I mean, it goes from Vancouver all the way to Halifax. Uh, you can get Blue Jays baseball on the radio. So mm-hmm. anytime that there's a Canadian in the major leagues, that's doing something successful, it'll have ripple effects. So Paxton comes back a rare start for him on Canadian soil let alone the dominance that he had that night. And, oh, by the way, like you said, I'm 36 games into my major league career, <laughs> and this is kind of unfolding. Um, yeah. And, and, and earlier, I don't know in the first few innings, you know, that you had a feel that this guy was going to dominate that night, um, but there was a diving stop over the line at third base that, that you could always go back and point to and say, mm-hmm. that's the play. That's right. the play that kind of jump-started the rest of the night. And I remember saying it to Mike um, at that time, too. I said, you know, Mike, that might be a special play in the remainder of this game, depending on how things go. And in the minor leagues, when things were on the line, I always take the approach of I have to be honest with the listeners, and I need to tell them the whole story. And that's why I I am always of the belief that if there is a no-hitter that is developing, uh, I want people to continue to tune in. So I'm going to say – you know, this guy has not allowed a hit tonight. Or there's been a couple of close calls, but still a zero in the hit column. Like, I'm going to dress it up as, as however <laughs> I can differently uh-huh. uh, to continue to try to hook listeners and viewers into what we're doing on TV and radio for the Blue Jays. Uh, and I think that's a significant part of it. And here I'm, like, making these decisions, and I, I'm like, I'm this neophyte <laughs> on the air. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, it. It goes, it goes on and on and on, and in the seventh, the eighth, and then the ninth, and again, like I, I believe that almost everybody in the ballpark, going to the ballpark that night, knew a Canadian was going to pitch for Seattle. By the end of the game, I am certain everybody in the ballpark that night knew the hometown of James Paxton. Mm-hmm. And you, you <laughs> felt the crowd kind of turn in favor of the Canadian that was dominating their favorite team. <laughs> um, Crazy. And, and that, yeah, and, and that feeling alone allowed me to, to have a little bit more genuine uh, excitement for the call. Um, and without the crowd turning that way, uh, you know, I, I can tell you, I probably would not have lived in that moment the way that I lived in that moment. Um, and, and because I knew, you know, it's a Canadian broadcast, people in Canada across the country are listening to it. 
And it was the storyline of that night. Ladner, BC's own, is going to the mound to pitch on Canadian soil. And he'd only done it a handful of times in his career. And now here he is having an opportunity to do it in historic fashion. And he did it. And, you know, it's a, it's a moment that I wanted to live on the highlight reel for baseball in Canada and uh, for James Paxton specifically. And, um, you know, I try to do it. It's justice. And I'll, I'll, after the final out was recorded, we go to break. Chris LaRue, who um, is from the greater Toronto area and pitched in the major leagues with the Yankees and the Pirates and a handful of teams along the way, uh, and he was one of our analysts. <clears throat> he's grabbing my shoulders and he's shaking me, uh, you know, because he was so excited because he knows all these guys, right? I mean, it's a small fraternity of major league players in, in Canada. They all know each other. Um, and he goes, you did it. You just called your first hitter. I'm like, thanks, Chris. I'm well aware. He goes, did you? Did you say what you wanted to say? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean what I want to say? I said, I just, I just, I hope I did the moment justice. And he goes, it's going to live forever. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Like it, it, it becomes those moments. Like mm-hmm. you, you just look back and that was, um, that was probably the second, oh my moment. Yeah, it was pretty cool stuff. Uh, he, he sent, mentioned that that was the second, oh my moment of his career. Uh, I think his first one was talking about his first ever opening day uh, in minor league baseball and kind of just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. So uh, we had a very long talk with Ben, covered his whole career. I think it went more than an hour. Um, I know Sheila wasn't too thrilled about editing that, uh, but sounded great. I love talking to Ben. Uh, that's a guy who I really, really enjoyed um, chatting with, and I hope I wish him all the best in his future because I you got a great voice, uh, as you could tell when you hear his voice. He, he definitely is meant for, for radio and, and play-by-play, uh, so I, I'm excited to see where his career takes him. Uh, another person I love talking to, Stephanie Miller, Goshen College women's basketball coach. Uh, one of the more entertaining personalities, I would say, uh, in the area. And a couple years ago, her team, uh, the Goshen College women's basketball team, went to the Fab Four in NAIA Division Two, And we started talking a little bit about that journey for her team and she told a fun story about how that season started and then what it ultimately became and this was kind of the journey that this team took i'm going to tell you the funny thing is i should i should say to you on air right now of course we knew (laughs) of course we knew we were the only ones that knew our locker room knew you know what (laughs) we knew that year that we had a good shot at making the national tournament that's what we knew Mm -hmm. i remember the day uh, the first day of practice that year, I pulled all the girls. We didn't go out on the floor. I pulled them into a room. Our first day of practice was 20 minutes. And I pulled them into a room, and I had a slideshow for them. And it was, here is where Sioux City, Iowa is. Mm-hmm. Here is what the uh, the Tyson Event Center looks like. These are things you've never seen before. These are our goals. And I had it all set up there, and they just sat there wide-eyed. I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is really cool. I even had, this is the mileage from Goshen to Sioux City, Indiana, or to Sioux City, Iowa. Uh-huh. So I had this whole pitch, and I said, this is how many games it's going to take us to get there in the conference. Mm-hmm. This is how many, this is what's going to happen. And here's the date that we're going to find out that we've made the national tournament. Mm-hmm. And they just sat there, and they were just in awe of that. <laughs> I sent them home. I said, tomorrow's when we begin on the court, but you get your heads right, because this year we're making it. So, yes, I can tell you we thought we could make it. I had a strong suspicion that we were going to be good. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I told you I thought we were going to be fourth in the country <laughs> and make it to the Final Four, I don't think anybody can really predict that mm-hmm. when you're coming from a building situation. Right. Um, when we got there, I got to tell you, that first game was the, was, was the turning point. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to hit a shot 
at the buzzer mm-hmm. to win a national tournament game. Mm-hmm. Um, an exceptionally exciting experience, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a slew, like uh, coming down the stretch in January through February, mm-hmm. to answer your question, we just started clicking. Yeah. It, it was like right place, right time. We actually had a four-game losing streak that people forget about like, in <laughs> December, January. Yeah. And after that, it was just the right chemistry, the mm-hmm. right combination, the confidence built right at the right time. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I just had really tremendous depth on that team with mm-hmm. some amazing players. So, yeah, I love that. I love that the first practice was just 20 minutes of we're going to – here's how far it is to Sioux City. Get your minds right. We're, we're making it there this year. I thought that was a really cool kind of perspective. And then, obviously, they make a run to the Final Four or the Fab Four. Excuse me. It's official. It's the Fab Four, not the Final Four. Uh, but – to you know, go from being ranked seventh in the preseason poll that year in the conference, not even just nationally, in the conference, seventh in the conference to fourth nationally. Like, what a run. Uh, what a run for them. I'm sure that was pretty awesome to be. I wasn't here yet to experience that, but I'm sure that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience for all of them, all the players, alumni, uh, all of that. So, And I wanted to get out a final clip. Uh, this was from last week's episode, actually, with, with Gary Chupp from Bethany Christian and Larry Kissinger from uh, Goshen High School. This year, as we all know, we has been dominated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, it has altered lives, um, you know, in every sense of the word. And uh, it's obviously been crazy. Um, and, but we, we, as in the collective Indiana, Indiana High School Association, uh, played a fall sports season. And we got through it relatively unscathed some teams had to go into quarantine and their seasons ended because of that Uh, but all the state tournaments got done on time and most schools played a normal amount of games in every sport and so I kind of asked Gary and Larry you know what they thought about getting through the fall sports and if we had you know kind of made it through it uh, a little bit and these were their answers when it came to that. So I'm not in that place yet where I feel like we pulled it off yet. I mm-hmm. want to get through this winter season, <laughs> which has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do feel good about what happened in the fall. Um, but, but having mostly outdoor venues in the fall, it was just much easier than, than our winter sports. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's hard for me to criticize other states because there was certainly apprehension from from my end, you know what what are we gonna what are we gonna experience, um, you know. But yeah, but but just getting through this this winter season, uh, I don't feel like we're there yet. Mm-hmm. Right, Larry. Similar sentiments, I guess. Being able to pull off the fall in general, I know, like you said, we're mostly outdoors. But even getting through volleyball, you know, in you know, pretty much one piece, like. What was kind of the what's kind of been your outlook and perspective on that? I guess uh, the pride would would come from our our student athletes and fans and our staffs on how hard they worked, our custodians. Oh my gosh, to mm-hmm. to pull things off. I think mm-hmm. the first word I thought of when you asked Gary that question was relief. <laughs> I was relieved that no one got ill from it. I was relieved that we were able to do that for our student athletes because of the mental health issues that are out there for all of us, uh, but more so with teenagers. And so to provide that opportunity for, and, and like, even though we're a big school, many of our spring athletes, our fall athletes, Gary probably has a lot higher percentage at Bethany, but um, 
for the if they would have had to lose two seasons in a row, that would have been crushing. So I'm really glad that we move forward. Um, and this uh, this winter feels like a very wet spring because <laughs> <laughs> you're canceling and and all the time, and it's on. It could be the day of, right? Like, oh, a thunderstorm came and we didn't know it. So, mm-hmm. well, well, we can't play you. Well. Anybody else open? Uh, that's the difference. That usually you're done for that day and you're rescheduling. Now it's uh, okay. Well, who can play tonight? <laughs> We'd like to play tonight. We've got officials, mm-hmm. and so the, the, that's another example of the great network of athletic directors. And uh, give the IHSA a shout out. Their technology allows us all to see when people are looking for games on very short notice. So, yeah, obviously, um, you know, I think they were both pretty grateful that we got through the fall. This winter sports season has been a drain on a lot of people, and uh, hopefully we can get through this, the winter because it, it feels like, you know, by the time we get back to the spring, right, everything goes back outdoors. We know what we're doing with social distancing, uh, who knows where we're at with this vaccine in the country by March, you know. Uh, I'm not saying everyone's going to be vaccinated and masks off, but, you know, we could be trending in the right direction to where, you know, we'll probably have to have masks and social distancing in the spring, but hopefully it won't be as much. Hopefully we'll be trending in the right direction to where by the time we get to fall of 2021, COVID-19 is just a, a bad nightmare. Um so, so those are some of my favorite clips from the year. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening back to some of the, the greatest hits, so to say. Um, there were other great moments we had on this podcast that we couldn't get to, unfortunately, in this episode. Um, but uh, one, once again, I want to thank everybody for listening uh, this calendar year. We have plenty more coming up. We're not going anywhere. Uh, just celebrating the end of 2020. We made it. Uh, we made it. Thank God. Uh, We got to the end of 2020. Hopefully 2021 will be better uh, for all of us. So uh, signing off for the last time in 2020, this is Austin Huff, and we will be back and better than ever in 2021.